You're listening to the Quince podcast. Close to 20 years after the discussion on procuring Rafale jets had first begun, the much awaited first batch of Rafale fighter jets is finally here in India. The jets flew out from the Merinac Air Base in the French port city of Porto. took a one pit stop at the Al Dafra Air Base in the UAE after covering a distance of nearly 7000 kilometers and finally landed at the Ambala Air Base on 29th July to be inducted into the Indian Air Force as part of its number no. 17 squadron also known as Golden Arrows and praises on the jet's capabilities are pouring in from everywhere the touchdown of Rafale combat aircrafts in India marks the beginning of a new era in our military history that's what defense minister rajnath singh tweeted javed ashraf the indian ambassador to france called it the beauty and the beast uh, our air force pilots tell us that uh, these are extremely uh, swift nimble versatile and very deadly aircraft uh, you might call them they are both beauty and beast Uh, they are superb flying machines being flown by the best pilots in the world. Uh, going to add a great deal of strength to our air power and defense preparedness, but it is also a powerful symbol of uh, the strategic partnership between India and uh, France. As experts believe the induction of these jets in IAF is a game changer for India, but why exactly is it so important for the IAF? How important is France and India's strategic partnership in the changing geopolitical scenario and with simmering tensions at the border are these jets likely to be deployed in Ladakh You're tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and I'm your host Shorbury To begin with why the hype around these Rafale jets as we know this French design manufactured by Dassault comes with a state of the art design. A lot of it's quite technical for us layman to understand, but some of the basics are that it's a twin engine multi-role combat aircraft. It has 14 storage stations for weapons and one of the most advanced meter air-to-air missiles. From what we understand, it can also carry more ammunition than some of the other jets like the Sukhoi 30 MKI or even the Chinese indigenous J20 jets. It can also outperform the F16s that Pakistan has. And India will be the fourth country after France, Egypt, and Qatar to fly the Rafale. So, as we know, India has bought 36 of these fighter planes for rupees 58,000 crores, approximately, through an intergovernmental agreement signed in 2016. The first fighter jet was delivered to the IAF in October 2019 in a ceremony attended by Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and his French counterpart. Five more are here right now, and another set of five. is still in France for training missions and the entire delivery is expected to be made by 2022 retired air marshal m mateshwaran who was among those who played a key role in getting the jets to india told the quint about why india began discussions on getting these fighter jets in the first place we started this process in um, 19 late 1990s actually and uh, the intention that time was uh, you know that the mirage 2000 we are already flying we have we are very familiar with that aircraft and uh, there was a requirement for at that time they estimated that the requirement was 126 aircraft and uh, let's go through uh, uh, you know with the french as a follow on process and order those 126 establishing a complete production line 
they were also about to wind up the Mirage 2000 production line and shift to the Rafal production. And therefore, a lot of things were actually, you know, falling in place. They went and discussed with the HL uh, extensively. Almost everything was prepared. And then in 2003, 2004, when the proposal was put up, uh, uh, Jaswant Singh was the uh, defense minister. And I think he very rightly, the, there were already some concerns because we, why are we looking at an aircraft that's already, you know, uh, from a design stage is already 40 years old. And uh, therefore, they said, why aren't we looking at a uh, few, you know, the aircraft that you get, like the Rafale now will serve for at least 40 to 50 years with us. And that's the way we should be looking at. And uh, the second point is that uh, such a huge procurement cannot be just, you know, straight away into one industry. So he said, let it be a global procurement process. That's the decision he gave. Then the whole, then we looked at the, from MRCA, it became MMRCA because we were looking at, you know, the aircraft like Eurofighter. We are looking at aircraft like F-18. We're looking at Rafale. And of course, the Russians pitched in as well. The Gripen came in and, and the whole process started. So I think we should have inducted by 2010-11 if the process was efficient and gone through. But for a variety of reasons, we all know what all happened. It's 2020. And anyway, it's never late. It's the right time to get it. But we do know that the purchase of these jets did not happen without controversies. In 2017, the Congress alleged a BJP scam in this deal. They claimed that their government had made a much better deal on those jets and the current purchase would cause an insurmountable loss to the exchequer. In 2016, when the Rafale deal was finally made, the count of the IF's fighter squadrons was reduced to 31, which is much lesser than the optimum of 42 squadrons that India can have. But given its boastful capabilities, why did it take India so long to procure these jets, especially if the talks began way back in 2000? Ambassador Vishnu Prakash talks about what these delays can mean for India's defence. Well, I think that uh, Air Marshal Mateshwaran has covered it very well. You know, we have a twin challenge. One, our dependence on imported platforms are so high that, uh, you know, we have to imagine that when China is at our border, uh, we, our defense minister had to rush to Moscow to make sure that we get spares in time, etc., etc. And uh, now the prime minister has taken uh, a huge initiative by allowing 74% FDI uh, in the defense sector, and we hope we can correct that. But this challenge is huge. So one is our import dependence. And second is our procedural uh, delays. I mean, as he mentioned, the uh, discussion started in, in the year 2000. And I believe uh, uh, I'll uh, be happy to be corrected. Um, according to my figures, we have an authorized uh, strength of um, uh, 42 squadrons, right. whereas uh, actually we have uh, 32 or 34. So can we afford this kind of a gap in preparedness uh, when we have uh, India is located in such a difficult uh, geography? That is the second question. Third, if we, I mean, I think that we are still fortunate that uh, we managed to renegotiate a deal and uh, five of the Rafales are, have, are landing, Third, the others are on their way. I was in South Korea when we were talking, and before that, we were talking of getting minesweepers from South Korea. 15 years, we went back and forth. 
and uh, even today we do not have mine sweepers in the country mm. i mean there are multiple examples of a huge gap between the security needs and what we have so uh, long and short is that you know we will continue to get uh, saint anthony's uh, who had uh, as they said brought put a stand brought to a standstill all procurement uh, needed by the armed forces but we have to get systems in place uh, indian national security is too big to be left to procedural delays i i think it's a very serious challenge Now coming to the timing of the arrival of these five jets from early may india and china had been engaged in a deadly standoff in ladakh which is the worst one seen in decades the militaries have disengaged finally at most sites although not all the way yet and with the rafal jets being delivered at this crucial moment many are wondering whether they'll be deployed at the border so what can these five jets do for india's situation air marshal m mateshwaran puts things to perspective well uh Firstly, let me put uh, certain things in a, a proper realistic perspective. We've just got five aircraft, and uh, it takes uh, you know with five we can't just you know say that we've now got a huge capability where we can take on you know everybody. No, it adds the shot in the arm in terms of what it brings on the table in terms of its uh, radar capability. It's an ISA radar, the BVM missile capability, but five is five. Okay, so we need to wait till the squadron builds up, and uh, and when two squadrons are there, that's a significant you know add-on into the capability. That is one issue. Second is uh, for the first time we've now decided to actually employ air power in a significant measure, and which is what we should have done all along against the Chinese side. But of course, again, you know uh, the air force is twelve squadrons less than its optimal number, and uh, the issue of although it's a remote possibility in my opinion a two front war cannot be discounted given the strategic you know partnership between china and pakistan and the way you know things materialize so we should guard against that as well but the comparing with the uh, plaf or the chinese air force and us uh, our objective is to ensure that the chinese side do not resort to any misadventures across the lac and that is our main objective we are not interested in going across and you know you know bombing lhasa or doing anything across on the other side but we want to deter the chinese to that extent we have this will add a significant shot in the arm and we have enough capabilities to do that on the other hand the chinese air force modernized significantly they bring in a lot of weight in their capabilities through their j10s j11s j20s their s300 s400 they have you know the chinese aerospace industry and aerospace capability is a lesson to be studied as well in terms of strategic development and therefore uh, we as long as we are able to deter them because most of their airfields on their side are a high altitude despite these advanced aircraft it brings a limitation on them most of their support systems are quite far into the interior so it's not easy for them to sustain if they want to take on offensive and at the end of the day i don't think neither of course not from our side but china itself would not want to get involved in a huge you know conflict which can escalate into a war it is not good for them it is it is it will actually sidetrack their you know global ambitions completely so to that extent i think uh, as long as we focus on deterring china uh, we have enough way with us to do that with the additions that are coming in 
But that's a continuous process. The way we need to do that is a continuous process. And speaking of the simmering Indo-China relations, India and France have been displaying strong bilateral ties all through this time. During the Galvan standoff, for instance, Paris and New Delhi had held several talks where France assured all its support to India. And amid the Rafale delivery as a gesture, France also sent medical equipments to India to combat coronavirus. Now, India and France have converging interests in the Indo-Pacific region, but how important is France and India's strategic partnership in the changing geopolitical scenario? Ambassador Vishnu Prakash says that France has always stood by India in the hour of need. Well, it is, I think, one of our most significant relationships, and I have only seen it grow. Uh, you know, France, like Russia, has stood by us in the hour of need. Uh, I, I was in Tokyo, and I, can, I need to recall that because I was in Tokyo when we went nuclear, and I remember how uh, Hashimoto uh, threatened to take uh, India to the UN Security Council, country after country, had difficulties with us. Nobody, we had, uh, you know, there were sanctions being imposed. Even Australia said that they used to offer some assistance of $2.4 million or something. They withdrew it. But there was one country which was willing to listen to us. And we all recall the famous strategic dialogue uh, between Mr. Brijesh Mishra and uh, his counterpart. And the rest, as they say, is history. I've sat in meetings uh, between, uh, uh, in, in, uh, between summit meetings between India and France, and uh, their interest in India, the, the level of uh, confidence that we have in, in, with each other. Uh, I would say that you know, we have a broad convergence of interests has been unparalleled. And uh, even for the our, uh, quest for the, uh, we have their unequivocal support for our membership of the UN Security Council and other organizations, international organizations that we join. We want to join or have we joined. So I, am, I think that uh, this is one of the big success stories of uh, India's foreign policy. But it is not just a one-way street, just as we, uh, France is important to us. I mean, France also appreciates India's importance. Uh, France, in some ways, is an Indo-Pacific country. And, uh, you know, there, are, there is some talk, uh, although uh, it is yet to fructify, for example, to see whether France can become a part of Quad Plus and uh, at, with, in different foras also. So I, I, for one, think that France is a factor for enhancing the security, uh, peace, and prosperity stability uh, in the Indo-Pacific region. And I, for one, welcome the advances that, has, that have been made in India-France strategic relationship. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts. 